was definitely needed, and we greatly appreciate you giving us the opportunity and all of our uh, church uh, leaders who stepped up to kind of fill in. And, um, and I just want to say thank you to everyone who, who gave double duty uh, to make up for when we were gone. Thank you, for everyone. Pastor Joy is preaching out at our South Toledo campus today, so she is not with us. Um, so if you came here to see her, I'm sorry. You get the second runner-up. She's, uh, she, she, that's right. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for you guys. No, she, you know, she, um, she preached an amazing message last week, um, on, uh, suffering and, and I, I kinda am following up on that, but not the same context. So we're not getting two messages on suffering. Uh, today we will be talking about sacrifice, but before we go into that, um, again, I just want to say thank you. Welcome for joining us. Um, if you have any uh, gift that you'd like to give uh, today, we have our bag or our offering basket. It's over there on the side. You can slip that in there or you can give online. If you go to www.vision.today, you can give online if you would like. Um, also, if you are a first-time guest, we do have a small gift for you. So stick around, come up to me, say, hey, it's my first time. We do have a small treat for you. You guys doing good? Yeah. Who is uh, happy about that snow out there? One person. <laughs> I mean, of course, teenagers like, keep snowing, day off tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because when you're young, you love the winter, right? How many people in their older years have really not enjoyed the winter? Like, go ahead. Yep. See, like, I mean, I used to love the winter. I'm born in January. I used to love the snow. And the older I've got, it's more responsibility. So now it's like, you know, shoveling and ice, you know, and salting and cars getting stuck and all of the, you know, all of the things that adulting happens with snow and, and bad weather. That as a kid, you know, sledding and snowball fights and, and days of school off. So, so I've now joined with the elite of the ones who have not, you know, the, that's why they call us the chosen frozen. So... <laughs> It's funny, for anyone who moves to, to Ohio, I feel sorry for them because I'm like, man, you must, there, it must have been a very good pay promotion for you to move to Ohio because people don't move to Ohio, they move from Ohio, right? I mean, anyway, has anyone actually from out of state who actually have moved here and is living now in Ohio? Anybody in here who is? Obviously, it's Texas, you know, that was an upgrade. No, just kidding. No, <laughs> no, no, Texas is awesome. They have the best food there. Anyone else? Anyone else move to Ohio? Move to Ohio and move to Ohio. Where are you from? Michigan. Oh, that was that was an upgrade. No, just, no, no. Michigan is beautiful. They have the they have the so such clean lakes. I love going to Michigan. Where are you Where are you originally from? Michigan. Oh, two Michiganders. Okay, good. Well, you guys are in good hands. But Ohio, you know, I mean, what's in Ohio, right? Family, cornfields. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's usually about it. People don't move here unless your family's here. So again, uh, you know, we'll, we'll stop messing with Ohio, and we're going to get into the Word today. And so the title of this message is called Sacrifice. Ooh. So Pastor Joy last week spoke about uh, suffering and how that's a, actually a part of our relationship that actually causes uh, maturity and how we mature through that. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about suffering. So when we talk about suffering today, actually there's two words that I want us to think of. I want us to think of first the word costly, say costly, costly, and I want us to think of the word full price, say full price. Now, this is the thing. I love clearances, right? I mean, we have Black Friday coming up. I mean, now they've like totally rearranged it all. So it used to be there was one day you would like save your money, you'd get up early, you'd get hot chocolate, and you'd beat the crowds to get that deal. And now they can then... They changed it all around, and now it's like Black Friday month, and I don't, so like, if you are a person who likes to shop for Christmas for your family, Black Friday is the best time to do it. Why? Because why pay full price for an item when you can get it 30% off, 50% off, 75% off? So I'm about that life. I'm about clearances. I'm about deals. I'm about sales. I love that. I, I mean, come on, right? I mean, there's people, I mean, they literally live for a clearance. I mean, that is like their thing. I mean, they are shopped people who like, once they find that, it's like treasure. I mean, that's their thing. I love that. I love clearances. Why pay full price when you can pay partial price? But I want us to think of these two words, costly and full price, because there are things that we can um, get clearance on clearance items, but then there are things of value 
maybe of intrinsic value or of value in the person's eye where a person will actually pay more than what it actually is worth. Go to the next slide here. So these are just some things that I pulled off the internet that people would be willing to pay more for than what the sticker price might be. So if you're a shoe connoisseur, if you're a person who collects shoes or you like Jordans or anything like that, there's a lot of people out there and they'll pay not hundreds, they'll pay thousands of dollars. So like this shoe right here, this is a, uh, it's a Jordan uh, uh, that you could have, when it first came out, probably bought it for about $150. Now you can buy it online for $1,200. And somebody will pay that because in their eye, the value of that shoe is more, is more valuable than the sticker price. Right? I mean, electronics, especially like the new game systems now. Have you ever heard of scalpers? These people, they buy all of these, these uh, you know, things and then they'll sell them for twice the price. And people will pay for that. Like a PlayStation 5, you know, normally retails at $500. You go online and somebody will pay $1,100, $1,200 for that. Because the value of that item is of more value in their heart than it is the sticker price. And then how many of us went through COVID-19? And there were some people, they were, they were making like toilet paper like crazy, right? I mean, this is insane. And people were paying that because they were like, I got to wipe my butt. So they were paying more than what the price was for toilet paper. And they're, you know, so, so, there, so there's, there's clearance, right? There's where, where we love deals, we love shopping. But then there's times when something is of intrinsic value or we value it to where we will actually pay more for that than what the sticker price would say. And I'm saying all of this because um, I understand, you know, collect collector's items. I understand, you know, rarity of items. You know, people will pay, you know, five, six, seven thousand dollars for a base Mickey Mantle baseball card because the value, right? The value of that is of greater worth in their eyes than it is, you know, the little two cents or three cents it costs to make that sheet of paper. Okay. So we got to understand that there are times in our life that we have to understand that we might have to pay full price because the value of it is you're not going to get half off, right? You're not going to get, you're not going to get um, a sale or a deal. David understood this concept in first Samuel, or excuse me, second Samuel chapter 24. If you got your Bibles or you got your smartphones, it'll also be on the screens. I want to read this uh, por portion of scripture because in this context, what's happening is David, he numbered his men and he did that kind of out of a prideful uh, area. And when he numbered his men and he numbered all of Israel, the Lord was uh, upset about that. And so there was a plague that happened on Israel. And so David uh, was trying to stop the plague. So we're going to catch up here in verse 19. Are you there? Say amen. If you're staring at the, at the screens and you didn't pull out your phone, say amen. If you pulled out your Bibles and you flipped through, say amen. amen. Two people. Good. Great. Verse 19, it says, so David went up uh, to do what the Lord had commanded him. When Aruna saw the king and his men coming towards him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Verse 21, why have you come, my lord, the king, Aruna asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. So, so David sees that, you know, I actually, I'm going to purchase this, this, uh, this piece of property so that God will stop this plague that's happening on the people of Israel. You guys following? Okay, verse 22. So this is Aruna, he's talking back. He says, take it, my lord, the king, and use it as you wish. Aruna said to David, here are the oxen for the burnt offering. You can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to burn fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and you, uh, and, excuse me, and may the Lord your God accept your, your sacrifice. How many of us right there would be like, bet, cool, let's go. You're going to give it to me for free? How many times have you ever had something where you were willing to pay for it and then somebody was going to give it to you for free? Have you ever had that happen? That's amazing, right? That's awesome. Many of us would be like, okay, thank you. I was going to pay for it, but I get it for free? Yes. But check out this, op check out this, uh, what David's response is. And this is, this is just incredible. I just blows my mind. Verse 24. But the king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on buying it. For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. Say costly. 
Say full price. We're talking about sacrifice. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land. And the, the plague on Israel was stopped. So David knew for him that it was going to cost him something. And for him, you know, what was 50 pieces of silver? He's the king, he's rich. It's probably nothing. But just the understanding and action of I'm going to give something to God and it's not going to be something that was free. I got to pay for it. And that's what we're talking about sacrifice here. Now, Noah Webster defines sacrifice as this. This will be on the screens. Noah Webster defines sacrifice as to offer to God homage or worship by killing and consuming a victim on the altar. <laughs> Lord. To procure favor, express thankfulness. So one of the, one of the ways of, of sacrifice unto God is actually out of thankfulness. Verse 2. Excuse me, number 2. To destroy, surrender, or suffer. To be lost for the sake of obtaining something. That's real interesting. That reminds me of Paul, right? What did he say? <laughs> he said, uh, you know, uh, forsaken it all for the cross, right? Verse uh, number three, it says to devote with loss for to kill or to destroy. And so, so Noah Webster just talks about us giving this thing, uh, uh, sacrificing this thing out of thankfulness, out of surrender, right? Or, or um, devoting it to our God. So this is the thing, friends. We are all called to give up ourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to give up. You got to give up. You got to give up. I'm not talking about the fight, of good, the, the fight of good fight. I'm talking about yourself. We're all called to offer ourselves to God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Okay? It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, this is a reading out of the New Living Translation, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all that he has done for you. So he's saying because of everything that God has done for you. I plead with you. Give yourself back to him. And it says it goes on to say. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I highlighted that part, a living and holy sacrifice. We're talking about sacrifice today. What did I say? I said, you know, we all love deals. I love deals. But the thing is, is for us offering our life to God, that can't be a 30%. It can't be a discount. It can't be 50%. The Lord says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. So to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, you give God your all. Say my all. That means you give him your best, you give him your worst, you give him your all. Right? We don't just give the God our best days. We don't just give the God our worst days. We give them. We give them every day, out of like it says in the very first part, uh, right? Uh, because of all that He's done for you. I mean, when we understand what He paid for us, Jesus Christ Himself gave it all. He purchased each and every one of us with His blood. You were bought. You were ransomed. Right? He snatched us off from hell, death, and the grave and, prepare, and is preparing a place for us. He paid full price and he, he uh, and think of this, he was in the garden and he said, Lord, if this cup, if it's, if I can do this, take it. Because he knew the suffering that he was going to have to go. But he said, not my will, your will be done. And the scripture says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. And if you know anything about timelines, and if you know any, anything about, about uh, in the book of Matthew and when it's giving those, those time iterations, think of this. Jesus was in anguish and agony on that cross for about six hours. For you. In anguish and pain and suffering. 
for me. Some scholars believe that he actually, that, that because of, of the, the blood and the weight of sin and everything, that, that it actually causes his, his, chest, his chest cavity to collapse. To where That's why he would utter certain words and they had a hard time understanding what he was really saying. Because it was like he was just trying to streak out, you know. <laughs> my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Are you seeing that picture, friends? So Paul's picture, he's, he's just reminding us of, of, this, of this, what our God has done for us and saying, out of view of everything that he's done for you, I plead with you to offer your bodies to the Lord. Give yourself back to God as a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. You guys with me? Be a living sacrifice, placing ourselves on the altar, giving ourselves fully to our heavenly father. Letting the price of our lives be our, our full heart, our full mind, being devoted to him. He paid full price with his blood and an expression out of thanks, giving and thankfulness. In return, we give him back our lives. That's what Romans chapter one is, or chapter 12, verse one is saying. Give your life back to him. That great exchange. So what does that look like? I can't tell you exactly what that looks like for you. I know what that looks like for me. And, and in my life, you know, that may look different for you than it does for me. And that may look different than the person sitting next to you than it does for me. And that may look different than the person, than your spouse, than, than for you. What does that look like? I really can't tell you what that looked like. All I know is that you, that's you saying yes to God every day and finding out what he has plans for you. That's what that looks like. And then saying no to our sinful nature. And then and it, what it is, it's you offering yourself to God. You offer your life to God. You give him your marriage. You give him your singleness. You give him your children. You give him your time. You give him your possessions. You give him uh, your plans. You know, we, we offer, like, God, this is your church, right? Have you ever heard that? It's not cliche. I mean, that's the, that's the true, I mean, that's the depth of my, my heart is, God, this is your church, right? Both campuses, we pray. this is God's house, not Josh's house. It's his house. And so we give it to him. When we come and we worship, it's not about, you know, having everything in perfect and in, and in an array and that we're having this beautiful presentation. No, man, it's about us coming in before the Lord, raw and genuine and authentic and saying, God, I need you. Come on. Jesus said this. He said, come and follow me. He told us to take up our cross. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. These are strong words from our master, right? This are, these are strong words from Jesus. And this is what he says. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, also in the New Living, he said, then he said to the crowd, right? He's got a huge crowd of people following him. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, right? Not just believer, right? A believer, the Bible says, even the demons believe and shudder. A follower is somebody who actually walks with them. He says, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Burger King, have it your way. Not in the kingdom. <laughs> I don't even think they say that anymore. They used to say that. Take up your cross daily. Say daily. You don't take up your neighbor's cross. You don't take up your spouse's cross. You take up your cross. What is it? What is the thing that you're called to crucify and die to? Right? Selfishness. Right? Religion. Arrogance. Pride. Fear. I don't know what that is. Carry your cross. Follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Whew. Think of how many people are, are I mean, they have all of these different procedures and, and, and medicines for people to try to extend a few more years of their life, right? And, then, and it says, if you try to hold on to it, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. Another translation will say, you will find it. And friends, I love that translation. I absolutely know that because as somebody who lived on his own, his own way for 18 years, and then now living for the Lord for 21, 22 years, I truly found life in Christ. And any person that I know that when they find Christ, they find true life, right? Jesus came to give life and that to the full. 
And so this is tough because we're all called to follow him, and we love that. I'm going to follow Jesus. But we're all called to carry our cross daily. That means you're putting down your selfish, sinful ways every day. Come on, somebody. That means, you know, as a man, you're saying, Lord, I choose not to, to look at the perversion that's being bombarded uh, by this culture, right? As a woman, I don't know what, what woman, you know, you saying, you know, I'm not going to do what women do and can be called, right? Or whatever that is. I'm, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to carry my cross. And so that cross looks, again, it looks different for each of us, okay? Maybe carrying that cross, maybe what that looks for you is some, some personal practical things. Maybe carrying that cross for you is maybe you dying to some dreams you thought that you were going to do. Maybe carrying your cross is, is I don't know, maybe there's some things that you need to do that you don't want to do, but you got to do. And that's actually carrying your cross. You guys following? So it's costly, right? Daily, that's costly. It's a sacrifice. Obedience is always costly. Ask Elisha. Any of you guys know here what happened with Elisha and Elijah? You guys know in the scripture it talks about Elijah. He's like one of the greatest prophets that ever lived, right? Elijah and Moses are the ones who are at the transfiguration with Jesus, right? I mean, this is the man, right? 450 prophets of Baal. He called down fire and consumed, right? The sacrifice. I mean, this guy was awesome. Well, well, uh, his Padawan, I guess you would call it, or, you know, his, you know, the one that was going to uh, follow up when the Lord called Elisha up by the chariots of fire, okay? Elisha said to Elijah, he said, or excuse me, Elijah said to Elisha, basically like how Jesus said, come follow me. And what did Elisha do? What he did was he took his oxen and he took his plows and he, and he made a sacrifice. He burned them all. He, he chopped up his, his uh, oxen. He made a sacrifice, right? It's almost like he, he like cut his bridge to his old life and then he began to follow Elisha. Why? It was costly to follow him, right? He was giving it all up. That's why Jesus said, if you follow me, you know, if you give up, mother or father or brother or sister, for my sake, you'll receive a hundredfold because in some people, for some of us, following the Lord is actually us having to step away from our family, which is actually, what do they call that nowadays? Toxic. Right? Seriously. As a person, if you're trying to get off drugs and all your family are all about getting high and drunk and all the other stuff, then what do you have to do? You have to forsake them. Right? Come on, I'm telling you, and that's costly. I'm talking, you have 20-year relationships, 30-year relationships with people that, that you're close with, that you carry your cross now, and you forsake them because the life that you are living is not that anymore, and they don't understand. And then they'll call you freak or geek or, or pope or religious or, or a phase or whatever, a facade, whatever they call it. But it's costly, and there's people that have to do that, right? So... Following the Lord is costly. Saying yes to God will call us all to step out of our comfort zone. Who? Who likes that comfort zone? I do. I love comfort zone so much, I'm about to buy me a Snuggie for Christmas. Right? I keep seeing that advertisement. My daughter's walking around the house with it. I'm like, I think I need to get me one of those. Right? She's all comfortable walking around that big, huge Snuggie, just like looking like Yoda or whatever. And I'm just like, you look comfy. I like comfy. I like cozy, right? I like comfortable. But the Lord calls us to step outside of our comfort zone, right? For me, naturally, it's, it's, it's unnatural for me to speak in front of people. It's more natural for me to be behind the scenes. But the Lord has called me out of my comfort zone, right? Because that's what he does. And I'm not saying that's what God's called you to do. Maybe he has. But I'm saying the Lord will call us out of our comfort zone for our own good and then for obviously the kingdom's sake. Okay? He may, he may ask you to share the gospel with a coworker, right? And then you're going to have all of those thoughts. Well, what are they going to think? Are they going to reject me? All those, th all those thoughts. You know, maybe the Lord has called you to, maybe you need to pray for somebody. Maybe there's some things where you're going to step outside of what you're used to. Hey, we planted two churches. Um, our first church plant to me was out of our comfort zone. We, my wife and I were, uh, were doing amazing work. We were loving working with young people. And when, uh, when Pastor Keith and we talked about this whole thing about a church plant and then moving the church uh, to another location, my initial reaction was like, no, like, I want to follow you. I want to go where you're going. You know, like I, you know, like that was my comfort zone. And I, and I remember the Lord 
legitimately, you know, I mean, speaking to us very strongly and telling us that this was, this was what we're called to do. I had all the excuses. I'm like, I'm 26. I'm too young. I don't have enough experience. Blah, 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 right? So, but it was a sacrifice to walk in obedience, right? So, and it, I mean, it is a crazy journey. And, and here we are, you know, we've, we, you know, 15 years later, Vision Ministries on South Toledo is still going strong. We've got incredible leaders over there and Vision Kitchen and, and the, the thousands of people that have been impacted and the hundreds of baptisms and all the yada, 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 right? So then we're in our comfort zone again, right? My wife and I, and we're just enjoying ourselves, enjoying our good little lives, doing our ministry. And the Lord says, nope, time to plant another church. And we're like, okay, North Toledo, here we go. And he's like, no. Like, wait, wait, hold on, going. What's going on? You know, and he just kept putting Waterville, Waterville. I'm like, Waterville? What's Waterville? I don't know Waterville. And what was they? Again, stepping out of comfort zone. And I absolutely love this church. You know, I didn't realize how much I needed Waterville than Waterville needed Josh and Joy. Because I've met amazing, incredible people out here. I mean, this has been phenomenal. It's been amazing. I actually, I love, I love what we do out here. And, you know, that was back in 2017. But for me, it was out of our comfort zone. I'm like, I'm an urban pastor. I've only done urban ministry. I don't know how to do ministry out in the sticks, right? Out in the cornfields. All, right, all I know is, you know, bad stories of cornfields and people get killed and, you know, <laughs> chasing you around with sickles and craziness, right? I'm telling you the truth, man. I'm like, what is going on? Send me out here. <laughs> It's funny, there's so much you don't know when you're in a subculture, you know, you really don't know. You know, if, you, if, you're, if your context has, has been the urban context, you don't know anything about rural context. And if your context has been rural, you don't know anything necessarily about urban context. And so, so it's, to me, it's just amazing to be able to step out of comfort zone and, and, and get out of, you know, what you're used to and all that stuff. That's why I think everybody should go on mission trips. Everybody should, at some point in their life, Get out of America just so that you can see what life is like outside of our American bubble. Because it will do you so much good and change your life. All right. Just some things to think about here as we're talking about this. You guys still with me? We're still doing good on time. Just some things to think about as we're talking about sacrifice, as we're talking about paying full price, as we're talking about being costly. You know, we as, again, we as a body of believers... Uh, you know, with, with two locations, South Toledo and, and in Waterville, we've invested 15 years. Again, I said a little over 15 years uh, in impacting lives over on South Toledo. We have a, a building there. We have an established ministry there. Um, we've got, you know, a, a name that we've built, you know, to, to just love on people and in the community. Uh, but here in Waterville, like this building, we're renting it or leasing it, but we don't actually own a place of our own. So something to think about is this is something that, that, that we are going to uh, move towards is having a permanent place here in Waterville. It might be this place. It might be, it might be the, uh, the place that's up the road that I've been claiming every time I drive past that's been for sale for like a year. I just say, Lord, keep letting that price go down, price go down, price go down. I'm like, Lord, yes, price go down. I, you know, I think that would be a great, a great uh, location for it. You know, we're just, we haven't, you know, pursued that yet. Uh, but it's something that in order for us to do, it will take sacrifice, right? It will take people willing to invest. I mean, you know, and then remodel all this stuff. It takes work. It takes dedication. So it's just something to think about is that, you know, as a body of believers, you know, for us, you know, our, our space is adequate. I would love to have kids having their own space. I love, I, you know, again, my wife and I, we've, we've been heavily invested in young people, uh, our whole ministry. And man, there's just nothing like a kids having their own place. You know what I mean? And so it's, it, you know, we're at a place where we got to share our, our space with our foyer and walk through and all of this stuff. I want to be amazing for our kids to have their own place. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Right? They can be wild and free and sing and dance and, and do what they got to do. And, uh, and, and they got that they can have their own place. Cause I just, I, I believe that there's something about getting young people in the presence of God where they can hear the gospel at their own level. And we've got amazing people, Pastor Jill, and people who, are, who sacrifice who aren't in their service right now are over there investing in our kids. Okay? 
So what is that? So that looks like, you know, we would probably have to set money aside. And we already have. We already have set money aside saying a future preparation. But we haven't done no big building campaigns. But what does that look like? If we do a, a building campaign and start raising money, then that's going to take sacrifice, right? Uh, something else to think about, our Vision Kitchen is understaffed, right? Uh, since COVID, our, we used to have over 3,000 volunteers that would serve through Vision Kitchen. And with, when COVID happened, it was almost like, it was almost like that volunteer base dried up and that's, and that's okay. I get it. You know I mean? COVID has changed everybody's life the way we do life now, but reestablishing and rebuilding up that uh, volunteer base has been real tough challenge. And the thing is, is we haven't stopped doing ministry at the same capacity we're doing it. Vision Kitchen has been going on just as strong as it was pre-COVID through COVID and still now today. The problem is, is that the majority of all that responsibility is now falling on Earl and Renee. So just something to think about as we're talking about sacrifice. What if, you know, as a part of an extension of, of us, you know, through Vision Kitchen, what if we were to, you know, once a month go serve there? What if we were to say, hey, this is our church. These are our people. We're going to help carry this load. And maybe that means you go and you put food on a plate. Maybe that means you're in the kitchen and you help cook something. Maybe that means you just go sit and talk with people and love on them. That's called sacrifice. I believe the Lord is actually going to be probably be moving us into that. That's something I want to stir for us to do because that's a, that's, that's a stension of us. That's where Pastor Joy is right now. And maybe um, you've never served at Vision Kitchen. And let me tell you, it'll change your life. There's, there's churches that are, are invested in there that they come and serve faithfully every week, come and serve faithfully every month because they love it. One of the uh, churches that is uh, it's one of our, our biggest supporters is in Perrysburg. And they, they're young, they have uh, young adults and they come every week. They're serving every week. So maybe that's something to, to think about as I'm talking about sacrifice and us giving. Again, Vision Kitchen has it's been understaffed. Maybe, it's, maybe we can come alongside and help in some, some capacity. I don't know what that looks like. I'm just saying, hey, maybe we can move and do something like that. Look at your neighbor and say sacrifice. Another thing, friends, we support missionaries. In this last year, we probably have had three or four missionaries come through since the beginning of the year. And so we, I, I wish I would have, uh, that we would have uh, at, our, at our South Salido campus, we actually have a wall where we have missionaries that we support. and all this. Maybe we should do something here where we have just a small visual aid just to remind people, hey, look, there's people that are, that are sacrificing, right? They're sacrificing their life, giving up their life for the gospel, and they're doing it all across the world. Well, what does that look like? I'm not saying that we need to take on more missionaries, but I know that there are a few in here who financially support missionaries every single month, my wife and I included. Maybe what that looks like is saying, hey, we want to continue partnering with you. And so what can we do? You know, maybe they'll say, well, can you do a food drive? Can you, you know, send us some blankets? Maybe, you know, extend our monthly support or something. I feel that, that you know, the Lord has called us not only to be an impact here in Waterville, but he's called us to impact the world. And so if we can join with people that are already doing it in some tangible way, I think that'd be amazing. And again, and we already do that. And I think our church is very generous. Like I said, we've already had three or four missionaries come through. And I know there's some people, man, they are sacrificing and thank you for that. But maybe I believe the Lord is calling us to maybe do a little extra. Just a little step forward. Another th something else to think about. Well, last thing here is, man, friends, I want to do outreach here in Waterville. I, I am an outreach pastor. I'm not just like we stay about ourselves doing our own things. I mean, friends, we have, I, I was trained under the outreach master, <laughs> the outreach ninja. And, you know, and my wife and I, I mean, there's still, there, we, we know how to do outreach in South Toledo. We've been doing it for a long time. I mean, we just had our, our trunk or treat and there was hundreds and hundreds of kids that came through that. We do things like that all the time. And we've done some different things here. I mean, we've done Roche de Boo and we've done the, uh, uh, what was the red, white, and boom? And and uh, we did we did a thing uh, a few right before COVID where we went down and we served like hot chocolate when they had their little Christmas thing going on downtown. And so we've done some different things trying to partner. We've done door to door ministry. We passed out stuff. So we've done some outreach. But friends, I want to do more. And 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 that's still kind of discovering you know what the needs of of the community is that we can actually be a tangible hands and feet of Jesus in this community, right? So, uh, so what does that look like? And guess what that's going to be? Sacrifice, right? All of this stuff is, is sacrifice. It's us giving ourselves, saying, hey, I want to make a, a permanent, I want to I 
uh, cement uh, a location where hope and life and Jesus and joy can be extended to the Anthony Wayne community. And what that's going to look like is us setting up, building a, a life center, a hope center, another uh, uh, having our own building and, and uh, helping out in Vision Kitchen and trying to kind of gird up like Aaron and Ur, you know, Pastor Earl and Renee is, the, is they're, you know, doing all of this ministry here in South Toledo. You know, stepping up with some missionaries and saying, hey, what can I do? Maybe it means praying for them. Maybe it's finding cards and, and just putting those on, our, on our, uh, our prayer list. That we're praying for these missionaries, especially some of them that are, that are in unreached co uh, countries and, and those that are in countries where it's illegal to preach the gospel. And, and what that looks like, you know, how can, we, how can we effectively do outreach in Anthony Wayne and in the Waterville area? These are just some things to think about. All these things will take, say it with me, sacrifice. Kind of quiet up in here, right? And start talking about more work. All you guys are like, we're still exhausted from when you guys had, had time off. You're talking about doing more stuff. I'm not saying I'm doing like tomorrow. I'm just saying these are things we need to do, right? Okay? We, and so these are my points, and then we're going to end. Ready? I got four of them real quick. So, friends, I'm asking us, um, you know, to think of this word sacrifice. Think of the word costly. Think of full price. Because we need to invest. So the first thing that we need to invest or we need to sow is, friends, we need to sow in the Spirit. We need to sow in the Spirit. What does that look like? I believe uh, uh, Leonard Ravenhill has all these different sayings that a church is not praying, it's straying. <laughs> and that, you know, prayer is, is the backbone of a church. And, and prayer is, is the, the, the vital life giving that flows from a church. And I know we've got a lot of people in here who pray uh, you know, on their own. And we've got a lot of people here who, who do pray, you know, uh, together. But man, I believe that we need to start sowing more in prayer. Maybe us having more intentional corporate prayer times. And it's okay if only two or three of us are here together. But I believe the Lord is calling us to pray more and invest in sowing in the spirit in this community. I mean, think about this. God can do in 15 seconds what what the enemy has been doing in their life for 15 years. I've seen God miraculously and instantaneously bring freedom from addictions and strongholds and lies. That happens through sowing in the spirit. That happens through prayer. Jesus said this. He said, only some come out by prayer and fasting. And that's the other word that I want to say. And because it's like a cuss word to me is fasting. Right. We really didn't do very, I don't think we did any corporate fast this year, did we? I don't think so. After 2020, we were like, no, we're just happy to be back together. But there's something when the people of God come together and sacrifice and fast, God shows up. And I'm telling you, man, there's something about the presence of the Lord that can change lives more than, than what, you know, anything else. It was the presence of the Lord that changed my life. It's the presence of the Lord that changed many people in here's life. And it's the presence of the Lord that can ultimately shift people out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that happens when we sow in the spirit. Say sow in the spirit. So that means, you know, figuring out what prayer looks like. Us doing some corporate fasting. Of course, I'm not, again, I'm not, we're not going to fast tomorrow. We're starting it. No, we will plan it. Let you know. Let you get out your last few little munchies. You know, so we'll do that. Because I, I just feel like it's just something that, it's just some spiritual disciplines that we're called to as the body of believers, right? And man, I mean, there's just so much anxiety and lies and deception. It just needs to be broke, and I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it attacking me, and I'm tired of attacking the people of God. So, we need more corporate prayer. Number two, we need to sow into people's lives. So we need to, we need to sow, and when I say sow, right, I mean, it's kind of like a, it's like a spiritual thing. You know, the scripture, t it uses... The Bible calls these words sow. It just basically like sowing into the ground. It just means to invest. Okay? So when I'm saying sow, it's a spiritual word, which means invest. So when I say sow in the spirit, we're going to invest in the spirit. We're going to invest. We're going to invest in prayer and invest in some spiritual principles and disciplines. Two, we need to sow into people's lives. I mean, we need to invest in people's lives. A question that you can ask yourself is, are you discipling someone? Are you discipling? Is there at least one person in your life that you are purposely investing in? into. Because if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus, it is our mandate to invest in people's lives. And it doesn't have to be weird and wacky. You can invest in somebody's life. I believe some of the best investments is when you're doing life with somebody. 
you're able to speak into their life, and you're able to pray for them, and you're able to encourage them. And it doesn't have to be, uh, like I said, something that's like super whatever, but it could just be practical. It could be you. I've seen some of the best, I've seen some of the best discipleship happen when people are together doing what they enjoy. Right? How many of us like to eat? Right? Go, go out to eat with somebody. Say, hey, how are you doing in life? How can I pray for you? Invest in them. Discipling them. Right? Speaking into their lives. The scripture says that we're to go and make disciples. We used to actually, uh, back when we were in South Toledo, um, I, I, when our, with our leadership team, um, and maybe, maybe uh, you remember this, Heather, is we, I called it Paul and Timothy Discipleship. I probably need to bring this back because it was a very awesome idea. And so the whole concept of Paul and Timothy Discipleship is that each and every one of us, we need a Paul in our life, we need a Barnabas in our life, and we need a Timothy in our life. And so a Paul is somebody that is investing in you. It's like a spiritual father. Somebody that you can go to, who you can, they can pray for you, they can speak over your life, they can, you know, they're, they're investing in you, having a Paul in your life. Having a Barnabas, a Barnabas means son of encouragement, somebody that you can do life alongside, that you like your boy or your sister or your friend, your best friend, your, you know, you, you, uh, you sharpen each other, you disciple each other, you point to each other. So you have Paul, the person who's investing into you, you have a, you have a Barnabas, somebody that you mutually are encouraging and edifying, and then you have a Timothy, somebody that you're investing in. And most likely, relationships, they evolve and they change. And so maybe the person that you're investing into will one day invest into somebody else, or maybe they'll invest back into you. But just, just this whole concept of us being poured into and us pouring out. You got me? Discipleship. Say discipleship, right? We need to sow, meaning invest, into people's lives. And that doesn't always happen at like when we talk about discipleship, having a class, and those are great. I'm talking about personal one-on-one -on -one with people. Taking a little extra time, a little sacrifice, and some of the easiest stuff is like after church, hey, go out to eat with me, right? And the, we all love eating, right? You guys are probably thinking about food right now. <laughs> Number three, we need to sow or invest into our community. And I already talked about this, outreach. Again, I have a heart for outreach. We gotta, we're going to figure out what it is that we can do, how we can, as a body of, of believers, reach into the community. And it doesn't just have to be Waterville. We can... Do stuff in Monclova and White House and Maumee and Swanton. I mean, it's all, all of these. I mean, everyone that's in here are from multi, multiple different areas, right? I mean, we have people from Swanton, people from uh, Maumee. I mean, there's South Toledo. I mean, there's people from all over that, that come and join with us. And so, again, investing into the community around here. And then finally, and this is what I talked about in the first thing, just something to think about is we need to sow or invest financially. I don't think I've ever really even talked about this, ever, ever out here. Talked about it all the time in South Toledo. Have you ever heard of this term called a tithe? Have you ever heard of that? A tithe is a, uh, is, is a biblical term that is used to uh, reiterate giving a financial offering to God. And so a tithe means 10%. And so uh, as a body of believers, we believe in tithing. We practice tithing. Uh, my wife and I, and I don't say this to like pat us on the back, but just to set the example to know as your leaders imitate us as we imitate Christ. My wife and I, we probably give 20%. We give more than 10%. Because we believe in investing in the kingdom. Right? I'm, I'm not saying, oh, look at that. They're good. No, 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 no. No, we financially put our money where our mouth is. Because we, and it's not just, it's not just, oh, we're giving to this church or you're giving to Josh Hester's paycheck. No, you're not doing any of that. You give, I, I used to tell people, I said, you know what? Just to let you know, I believe in tithing and I'm not trying to manipulate. Go tithe to another church. Like, now I'm not telling you to do that. I mean, if you, if you, if that's something that you desire, you know, trust us, try it out. The Bible says, test me. And so, you know, start with a small amount. Maybe you don't have faith for 10%. Try it with like just a few. See what God does. It's, it's the cool thing about tithing is it does multiple things. Number one is you're, inv you're investing and you're financially uh, joining God with what he's doing. Two, man, it breaks selfishness. And, and if, if, the, if the love of money is, is, is in there anyway, there's just, it just breaks all of that up. And so just thinking about investing financially, like we talked about, you know, giving to missionaries. Maybe, maybe you already tithe. Maybe the Lord is saying, hey, is there anything that I can do to invest or and so into missionaries? Uh, you know, we have something coming up this week. It's called uh, Youth Conference. Again, we invest in youth. And we've had some people, 
every time we usually have these type of conferences or where young people are going on these retreats, it's always because there's a financial partner in our body that says, I'm going to invest in young people. And for those who have, who have invested, thank you for that. And we're going to continue needing that support because the majority of our kids that we take on these youth groups are from our South Pseudo campus who they don't have the funds to do. And we just, we're going to get them out of their environment. And we're going to take, you know, let them go to this place where they can encounter God and, and find out that God is real and he loves them and he's faithful and let their life be changed. So we're going to have more things like that. Maybe it's you financially investing in that. I've got a, a guy who uh, lives across the world who was a part of our youth group and they're now, uh, you know, they're, they're now adult and that's what they, and uh, anytime we do stuff, I call us, hey, you know, we're doing, we have this thing going on. He's like, Pastor Josh, you know, I, I love the church. He grew up in our church as a young person. He's like, anything I can do to, to sow into young people, I'm willing to do it. And he's always given for, for youth and stuff because he sees the investment that's happening. And, and it was such an impact on him, a 13-year-old all the way to an adult, that it made such an impact that he's saying, I'm willing, I, want to, I want to give for someone else to have that same experience. It's powerful, huh? Give financially. Um, friends, we have family, friends, coworkers, neighbors that need Jesus. And we want to give the absolute best presentation of the gospel that we can give as, as uh, individually and then corporately as a body of believers. And so what does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? Can you bow your heads as we pray together today? you, Father. I just want to, again, uh, before we, we really move into prayer, I just want to say uh, thank you for being generous. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for coming here this morning. Now, Father, we just come before you. <laughs> and Lord, I believe you're calling us to take the small steps forward. Well, what does that look like? Maybe that looks like making a deeper level of commitment into our prayer team here at the church. Maybe that means taking the next step into maybe investing in young people. Maybe serving at Vision Kitchen. Maybe coming up with creative ideas how we can do outreach here in South Toledo. Or excuse me, here in Waterville. Lord, would you, even now, God, I just thank you for, uh, God, with all the brilliant minds that, that's in this room and, and all the people that aren't with us today that would call this church, their, their home church. God, would you just give us just ideas? Would you give us strategies? Would you speak to our hearts? You've given full price for us. And Lord, I believe that we're called to go to the next level as a church and there's just maybe some small steps that's moving forward. So Lord, would you just highlight what that might be? That means they need to maybe once a month serving with our kids. Maybe on Wednesday serving at South Toledo with Jeremy and the incredible team that serves down there, their young people. Or maybe that means serving with Pastor Earl and Renee in the Vision Kitchen. Maybe that means stepping out in some giftings that I've been too afraid to step out in. Maybe that means me start being more committed daily in prayer and in the word of the Lord, saying yes to you on a daily basis. Maybe that's laying down some sin habits that I have in my life that I've justified. That I'm now done and tired. And now I'm saying, God, I'm done. I give it all to you. Jesus, thank you, Father. Meet with us right here, right where you're sitting. Just make an altar to the Lord where you would lay your life down as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And ask him, God, okay, what's, what, am, what am I called to do? What is it that I can do? Maybe, maybe it's gentle whisper will say, stay faithful. Maybe it's gentle whisper is don't give up. Maybe it's gentle whisper is reminding you of something that you're passionate about, but you've been silent about, that you want to do. Thank you, Father. Lord, we want to thank you for these beautiful kids we hear next door, Lord. God, giving them the opportunity to hear the gospel. 
in a level that's adequate for them. Lord, we thank you for our youth ministry that happens every week where, God, we're able to be life and hope, God, to young people. We thank you for Vision Kitchen. God, we thank you that we're able to meet needs in a tangible way for people. God, we thank you for two beautiful locations where life and hope and the truth of the gospel is being presented in a practical way where people can grasp a hold of you, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you for every family. God, I speak blessing and strength and encouragement over every person in this place. In the name of Jesus. I actually have a prayer I want to pray over you. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. I haven't done that in a while. I just feel like I want to pray it over you today before you leave. I usually do the ironic blessing, but we're going to we're going to shift gears today. This is a really good one, too. This is found in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, starting in about verse 5, or verse 15. Verse 16. That's my prayer over you today. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, God bless you. Thanks for joining with us today. Please be safe out in our weather. If you have any prayer requests, I would love to pray for you. You can stick around. I would love to join with your prayer. If not, have a terrific rest of your Sunday. God bless.